Today's episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. You know, new windows, new set of doors, can do a lot of things for you, can change the look and the feeling and the vibe of your home. Plus, it can add value to your home and it can make your home more energy efficient. Pella checks all those boxes and then some. So now is the time, man. Turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella. Check them out online. PellaOmaha.com. That is PellaOmaha.com. All right. It is a very special podcast on deck for you right now. It is the one-year anniversary of the launch of the pot. August 26, 2019, I launched the Nick Bob Podcast. And here I am a year later, and what a year it has been on a variety of levels. It's been an absolute blast to launch this podcast. Uh, one of the most fulfilling years of my life from a, a professional standpoint. And, you know, I do, I try to say, I try to say it a lot, but I can't say it enough. From the bottom of my heart to all of you, thank you. Thank you to everyone out there that has supported the podcast, listened to the podcast, subscribed to the podcast, shared the podcast, told a friend about the podcast, all that. Thank you. It's uh, it's pretty cool to take a leap of faith and try something new and try something different and have support along the way. And, you know, I told you guys a year ago, I wanted you guys on this journey with me and you've been there every single step of the way. It's been an amazing year with the pod and it's all thanks to you listeners. It's really all about you. So again, thank you. So how do you celebrate the one year anniversary of the pod? You holler at Bo Rude, duh. You fire up a mailbag, duh. And you crack open a bottle of wine, duh. So that's what's on deck here. That's what we're going to do. So let's get to it, man. It is yours truly. It is Bo Rude, Drinking a bottle of wine, answering mailbag questions. This was a blast. Enjoy. All right. We are here. It is a one-year anniversary wine pod with yours truly, Nicholas Allen, and uh, the man four feet, six feet, we're social distancing still, Bo Robert Rude. Uh, there's a lot of things I want to cheers to. We're going we're gonna to get, you know, we're going to look back on the year of pods, but can I first cheers to your wife? Because what do you mean she, by that? What do you mean you're cheers into my you wife? You keep my wife out of your mouth. What have you been doing with my wife? <laughs> no, your wife this afternoon went plant shopping with my wife. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I just want to cheers to your wife for getting me out of doing plant shopping. Well, I'll tell I'll tell her she was uh, a big help today. Yeah, well, I, they, they bought a tree. So. They got a tree. Maybe it was tree sh- like... They bought a tree. They bought a tiny tree. Yeah. I don't ask questions, but for me, if someone said, hey, you can do the Ironman triathlon <laughs> or go plant and tree shopping, I'm like, fucking, let's just do that. Let's just so do So 50 the miles Man. on the bike and then uh, how many miles am I swimming? two in the water and then That's okay. That's fine. Those kinds of moments, like when you go have to go get mulch or oh. whatever, like those are the moments where I want to get my Michael Keaton multiplicity game <laughs> That's where you wish you could go. Living, living with yourself. Living with yourself. Yeah, living with yourself. You need to go to the spa, get a clone, and have your clone do all that stuff. Am I the only one that cannot? I don't know. I do I, you like doing that stuff? No, I I, I know, but my wife loves it. She oh. it, a domesticated situation is her situation. <laughs> it was like she was raised for it. Like, oh yeah, it's time to make a fence for our garden. Like. 
I've been Today, ready for this. We're yeah. mulching the yard. It's like they oh, love God. it. They love what doing is it? that? Because my wife's the exact same way. The most accurate scene in cinematic history is Frank the Tank old school telling those college kids about his Saturday, about his like, ah, oh, you know, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna go to the Home Depot and then we're, we <laughs> might go to Bed Bath Beyond. I don't know. We might not have enough time. And that's because that's what you like devolve into. Like, what are we doing this Saturday? We're getting mulch, and then we're gonna do. Things around the house. When does that happen? Like what? I don't know. I, I, it's happened to me, and I don't know when it happened, but it slowly just happened. <laughs> as soon as you get married, I don't You're know. Mulch. Is it? Is it the next week after you've been married, or is it? Is there a, at least a couple months buffer before they? You just go get mulch. I don't know. All of a sudden, you're like, what are you doing this weekend? It used to be like beers at Ted's, (laughs) more beers at Frank's, and then beers after hours at Sammy's. Now it's it's that. It's like Saturday is going to be a, I got to stay, and we're uh, we're planting a garden, and we're laying mulch around, and then we're going to. You know, and I I don't know about you. I felt like the, for (laughs) 10 years, like my Sunday morning through Sunday, you know, midday was just like hangover recovery right so like so what is uh sundays are just there's there's more time oh the extra time right that's right oh that's i know you're not used to being like active on a saturday or sunday morning yeah i'm I'm not hung over anymore oh no you can't be i mean come on man speak up you know what's a good I've started to watch the show Bar Rescue. Have you ever watched the show Bar Rescue? Is that the big muscle guy? It's the he's not a muscle guy, but he's kind of like he looks like he could be in the mafia, and he comes in and he saves your okay, bar. Okay, now I know you're like, talking about. There's two guys. There's a there's a that guy, and then there he must be a restaurant guy that just he must just do curls, <laughs> and he's British. <laughs> he's like the angry British guy, but then he wants to like. Oh, hug. I know what you. That he's, is uh, the prophet, maybe. No, that's not right. I know you're talking about. Though. You know what I'm talking about. But this guy is more of like he's a I know heavier who he set is. guy, and he comes in, and these bars that these guys are running are some of the most <laughs> atrocious bars. It's like there's like there's roaches everywhere. There's rats at the bar stools, and this but guy comes in and rips them. That's got to be a prerequisite to get your your bar right. on. If this you show. submit, I'd like to be on bar rescue. Like you have to basically not be cleared by the health department. Yeah. You, well, first of all, have you been cleared by the health department? If so, you are not bar rescue material. You run a clean bar, and uh, <laughs> nobody's stealing from you. This isn't looking good for Bar Rescue. Uh, I'm just telling you, watching this, watching Bar Rescue is just, you think some places are disasters, and then you see some of these spots on Bar Rescue prior to getting rescued. It's just amazing. Uh, but yes, okay, so uh, yada, 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 cheers to your wife, okay? For cheers to me my wife. But here's the thing. Cheers to one year ago today, August 26, 2019, the Nick Bob podcast was launched. And do you remember our very first podcast we recorded and what we did afterwards? Oh, vividly. Yes. Because it was one of the first times I ever wrote down in a journal anything. I was like, I'm going to start journaling. Look at you. Right? You're so domesticated. You're getting, you have a journal. Did you have a journal prior to getting married? No. I haven't. (laughs) What am I? Journaling on a Friday night? What this weekend? I got beers again. And beers with Frank and beers with Joe. This is a pretty boring journal. Looking, going through this guy's journal. 
This guy got beers with Frank and beers with Ted and beers with Sammy for yeah, pretty pretty boring. So I, you know, anyway. So you journaled about our first podcast because it was it was a defining moment in my life. Wasn't it a special day? It was so special. I remember we we went. You, you're in the studio. Yeah, we went to the Parkville Media Studios in Omaha. In Omaha, we had a. I mean, we were just we laughed through the whole show. And then like we, we were there was that good nervous energy because oh. you know we had we've done radio together and all that stuff, but it just felt different. But you were launching the pod. The yes. Nick Bob podcast was being launched, so it felt, felt special. Uh, Husker football season was a week away. Yeah. Um, and then we went out. We went to we, Sullivan's Steakhouse, yep. and we had, I think we had bone in ribeyes. We did, and we had wine, and the just the wine was great. It just was. It was such. A, it was a celebration. Yeah. The wine was great. The steak was great. The conversation was great. And then you and I, we parked a ways away from Sullivan's, and we walked for a little bit in downtown Omaha as the sun was setting, and you could just feel. You could just feel it. Like it doesn't yeah. surprise me that you. It made the journal for you. It made the journal, and I think we. You know, the fact that we're sitting here doing a wine pod. I know that that night reinforced. We got to do wine pots because yes. we were we were eating steak, great steak by the way, and delicious steak. Drinking great wine and, and and the conversation usually gets to a new level when you start drinking the wine. So the wine part, the pod, I think was actually born that night. There's no question, and I just think we're gonna get into some mailbag questions as we are. We've already we we did cheat a little bit. We've already had about a glass of wine before we got started. We like to get you know when LeBron goes and plays, he doesn't stretch in the first quarter. He stretches before he, the warm. tip off. He warms You've up. Seen his uh, ball work? He does. Yes. How about that? Do you like that? That's I all do. core. You're a core guy through does, and through. He, I need to get my core. He, I don't. His core's off the chain. That guy only does core. That guy's got a much. core to die for. But we got to get our core on. So we've had a glass of wine, but it just it just shows that like from. There's sometimes the universe, when you do something, the universe sends you signals like, do more of that. Yeah. That felt, that was good. That made you feel right. There was something like, all I know is when we recorded the first pod, we felt like we, it felt like celebratory. So yeah. th there's something to that. Here we are a year later, we're drinking more wine, we're recording a pod. And I put out on uh, Twitter and Facebook, throw us some mailbag questions. Throw us some mailbag questions. So we're gonna, we got about like 20 questions. I don't know if we're going to get through all these. We'll find out. There's a final question from my cousin Scott that I just don't even want to answer. Scott. Scott Baugh. Scott's pretty I mean, great. Scott, yeah, it's not good. You're, when we get to it, you're going to say, I think you're going to plead the fifth. That's what I think you're okay. going to do. Um, so, okay, Polly Sports on Twitter. We'll get to start with this. Because we're kind of already kind of talking about it. it. Says, "What are your favorite discussions slash interviews you had in the first year of the podcast?" And he threw out the Last Dance pods. Uh, he he brought up Bruce Rasmussen's selection algorithm. I talked to him. He had this like elaborate thing. Our Husker recap pods. Bill Self, Jay Billis. He liked the fireworks conversation we had for the Fourth of July as well. A couple people liked the fireworks. Yeah, how about that? Look at that. We're Surprising. big in the fireworks community. What is there? To me, there are three things that are defined this year for us doing this pod. The game recaps, which wink, wink, nod, nod. We got a little something cooking up for you. So just, mm -hmm. just keep waiting for that. But it is, that is one of the things that is like, as sad as I was when they, when, when Kevin Warren canceled football season, it was like, ah, oh, no recap pods. Crap. But those felt, those were fun. Yeah. We, I mean, we were actually just talking about this off air, but. 
it, we, we felt like the response was kind of blew our mind yeah. last year. Every, every single weekend, you know, we'd go to these Husker games or we'd be out in the town and somebody would say, I love those recap. It was, it was pretty like, I was, I was kind of taken back by it. I wasn't expecting that kind of response. Right. Cause sometimes you don't know. That's the beauty. Like you, you create a podcast, you create content, you throw it out there and you don't, you don't know no. if it's going to, if it's going to resonate with people. No, but I mean, thousands of people immediately were, were yeah, on those like shows, it, which was great. And, and that, that, that's And amazing. it felt therapeutic. It felt fun. What was fun about it was for basically for a long time, you and I talked every Sunday, recapping the Nebraska football game prior to even our podcast. So it was like, we got to continue to do that, but in a more like buttoned up fashion. Yeah. You know, putting a mic in there. I mean, we would, we, for Ever we did that it was like if we hey, what you think or oh, hey we, or i know i was with you last night at bill and ted's drinking beer huge bill wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't shut up so we couldn't talk but so it there was that was fun the the recap pods were fun the wine pods have been a blast i mean i always kind of, we always kind of thought you know what if we just drank wine as because everybody has that with their friends this is an original thought you know when you have a couple drinks with your friends you're like man this this conversation this this could be a podcast or this is what a yeah, video we this? all think that <laughs> we all think that you know and so we tried to bring that to light and that's been fun the last dance podcasts the jordan documentary those are going to hold a special place in my heart because not only it captured a lot of things it captured like when i think of the last dance i'm going to think of corn like when we were in the heart of really quarantining in this pandemic mm -hmm. and then it captures your your heart of nostalgia of jordan then it all culminating with you and I just point out to my backyard, smoking stogies and drinking whiskey to honor Jordan. Those are those are. are yeah, that that is going to be memorable. The, the last dance, the fact that, you know, in that moment, they were willing to, to rush that to get it out. And I feel like we needed that oh. and that we needed to, we needed that week or two of just you know really needed it. yeah and we got to watch all those episodes and just knock them out i mean that was great so and then for me so like me personally i always the bill self podcast was fun to do it was fun to get yeah. a guy that that you know and really kind of bear it all even in like anytime i got to really be vulnerable and so there were a couple there was the bill self podcast there was me explaining my journey to kansas then there was I felt like, and I don't know why I could have done this on the radio, but I never, I'd had a podcast where I fully explained my recruitment or lack thereof with Nebraska basketball. Yeah. It felt like a therapeutic for me to kind of like set the record straight and put it out there. And then the other one, and we'll move on to the next question was our Kobe Bryant tribute podcast. Oh yeah. Where the day Kobe Bryant tragically passed away, we immediately did a pod and I cried. You did. I, and I cried. <laughs> I cried on that podcast, but that, that felt like, uh, there's been a lot of memorable ones, but that that one's up there. That was one that, yeah, it was it was almost transcended, uh, like the entertainment of it. It was all that was like yeah. you want to talk about therapy. That was like that was a therapy day. That was. I mean, even it, all I know is my uh, my little nephew Bodie, 13 years old. He's listened to the Kobe Bryant podcast of ours like five or six times. He wow. just loves it. I don't know what it is. I had someone else tell me, 
that they've listened to it a couple of times too. So I, it just was a uh, everybody. I, I thought we ca- I thought we we try to capture our emotions, which oftentimes or what everybody else is feeling too. Well, I think something that that happens, and I you know, on this pod with me and you and you in general, this is like you are you're just being yourself. Like you are true. Like some people do a podcast and they have an agenda and they have a, <laughs> right, right, right. There's the wall and the professional. Like yeah. you, you like, I mean, you let it out, like letting it out and, and being yourself is not an easy thing to do. And I think those are the things that one resonate with others. And when you, when you get to do them, you probably feel really good. You go, God, it felt good. It felt good. I needed like, even if, we weren't recording and put out a pod that night for the Kobe Bryant thing. Like I needed you to come over and just talk about Kobe. I wanted to Ser- seriously. Like, I just, yeah. I needed that. It was a, it was a life moment. He put us all, he, he put us all back into perspective mode where we went, Whoa, you know, it, Whoa, I, I, what, what's going on here? Like, this is a, this is a, this is a, not the as long of a ride as we think it's going to be. I think you know something was really near and dear to you as we've like we're only on question number one and we're still what going on this number thing. are we on <laughs> number but one? You know you know something's pretty near and dear to you when it's never too far from the surface of bubbling over into emotion. If that makes yeah. sense, like th- there's some people that can pass, can die, or things that can happen that like when you bring them up, it's 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 a ways from the surface. Yeah. You know what I mean. Even now, because we just had Kobe Bryant's birthday and Kobe Bryant Day, like to this day, I still have like it's it's never too far from the surface of me getting emotional thinking about that dude. You know, it's funny you said that. This is this is all weird. Uh, We had our breakfast club. That's the the, my the workout. Some of our buddies. Yeah, we were working out. We did. The Kobe Bryant workout? Yeah, we chose the number. I said, I, for some reason, I'm thinking about the the number eight today. And then then the guy said, Kobe Bryant? For the Kobe Bryant? I was like, well, maybe. And so we did eight rounds of eight because we were thinking Kobe. Um, so we did eight rounds of eight for a workout. But See? that's it's weird but you say that. Things, like, little things like that. Those are little things like that. Uh, by the way, there was a, in the Players' Tribute, I think it was Allen Iverson wrote a letter to Kobe that was pretty cool. On his birthday, you should read that as well. Okay, one question down. At this rate, we're going to be here till midnight. Let's try uh, to get two in this pod. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested to get your thought on this here. Logan via email says, you had some great people come on the podcast so far. If you could choose any three people out there to invite on the pod, who would you choose? So I kind of broke this up into like realistic gets for the pod and unrealistic ones. You know? You're saying gets as in like anybody in the world to get yes. on? So oh. let's start with the let's start with the realistic ones. Like, I would I really want Frost. I, I would I would love to get Scott Frost. And I feel like yeah. there's one like that's not far fetched. Frost and To are the two that I think would be the the funnest for like what we've been doing most of, which is a lot of Nebraska football. Well, and then I'll take it to stay along those teams. I wrote down Bo Pelini. I think Bo Pelini would be an incredible like if he really let his hair down, which I think he would, he would be so good to talk to. I think I could get his hair down. I think you could get, I think you, I mean, you played for the guy, right? Oh yeah. But Bo would be on there. And then I put Hoiberg, I'm going to get, I'm going to get Coach Hoiberg on the, on the pod at some point. Yep. Um, Kyle Corver. I was going to get Kyle and then I'm going to get Kyle at some point. I want to get Kyle on the pod. And then, and to me, we should, we should just hit up like Keith Mann for this. We got to get Adrian Martinez on the pod. 
Yeah, I guess they're not under contract with any podcast, right? I think they can do whatever they I want. Think they can do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, I think players can probably. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, he went on another. He went on some other podcast. I don't. Know, I can't remember what it was called, but like. Oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, I think we could get him. Yeah. I think we could get him. Uh, in terms of like anyone, I always think coaches. I know because a lot of them are co- coaches are interesting people. So like, I wrote down Coach K, Nick Saban. Bill Belichick, like the guys that have done it and done it at the highest level, if you could really get them to like to pick their brain and like lay it all out there, those those would be high on the list. I would enjoy Saban and Belichick for the sole reason is I would I would not interview them as somebody else would interview them. I would interview them. You just with, want to talk. I'd want to talk to them, but I'd also I would heavily lean on very specific philosophies that I think would get them there. I'd be, I'd be like, I'm curious. What do you think about this very specific aspect of football right. or, you know, or, or coaching or leadership um, and, and organization? Those are the things those guys love and that's what they know. And I think those guys would, if they were excited about a question, here, they would give you stuff that you'd be like, wow. But because here, because they probably wouldn't get that. You could give them like a, you know, when you're, when it's fourth down, when it's fourth down and you're at the 35, it's fourth and seven at the 35, you know, when you're in that no man's land of like, should we yeah. go for it? If we're kicking, we're only getting it like, What's your philosophy on that? You know, like things like super specific game situational things. I yeah. think would get them going. Yeah, you in got, a way. you got to get those guys into their world. Uh, you know, if, if you want to get to drama and you want to get to juicy gossip, like they're going to shut you down. Right. And that that would not be fun. No. I, I, then they're the then they're the least fun guys to interview. Where like they, I, I think there's a space where they're the greatest interview, but you got to be a great interviewer. Well, I think uh, I'm not sure if you saw the HBO special between those two. Oh, I like gotta, those two. Talking, I got it taped. I mean, it's amazing. And then they turn the they turn the the cameras off, and they start asking about some very specific like oh, like, like the if okay your safety's but you, you know they're like and they they've been something they've been talking about for years all these little yes. Weird. How do you handle? I mean, I remember Belichick telling us he came in the linebacker room, and I'm not joking you. There's a play called a wham, right? It's where it's where like a fullback or a tight end motions, and the center releases, and that guy blo- like the the motioner blocks the nose tackle. Yep. And how the linebackers are supposed to react to that? Like little things like that, he says. Well, me and Pepper have been debating this for ten years, <laughs> and they've been talking about it for ten years right. how to handle it right. That's the stuff they think about. Right, Nick. The wham block. Are your eyes supposed to be on the guards or the fullback first? It's a ten-year debate that right. they're not sure of. That they have philosophies, and they ha- like that's what those guys talk about. And, and in some ways, they get more excited about that. They'd be like, of all your national championship teams, which one is the best and why? They don't care. They're like, I don't know. I they mean, don't care. All, all they want to. They want to. They want to be asked. So when your line, your middle linebackers are reading, are they? Are, why should their eyes be on the guards versus the fullbacks? And they'll be like, they'll be like, oh man, that's a great question. Right. And ten right. minutes later, they'll be like, and we haven't solved it. 
I, I love it. I love that you got this. We need to get these guys on the pod so you can ask. You can ask Polini these questions. Does Polini get fired up about philosophy? Oh, he's he's like he's a lot. I think you want to you want to render Bo to be like what you do is you just stick your fucking face in his face and then it like Bar- you know that, but Barrett, Bo's more. Barrett said he when he gets on the chalkboard it's like the beautiful mind like Russell Crowe. He's like it's like safety. It's like genius stuff. See that's right. He'd be. I'm telling you, Bo's high on my list of, of getting. Up People don't get that about Pelini. Is it's it's closer to genius stuff when it comes to a defensive coordinator than anything else it is. Then the, awesome. The two other names I wrote down, Big Shock. I wrote down Jay-Z because, and you could pick Bruce Springsteen. I think musicians would be interesting to talk to. Like yeah. how you create music, how you write, all that stuff. And then Bron Bron. I still think like a tell-all, go through your career, if you ask the right questions, would be really interesting. And if Bron was in the mood to really let it out, Bron is high on my What list. about MJ? You didn't say MJ. I feel like the, the last dance I got, like maybe it's just because I feel like I already got a lot from him. But see, he withheld so much you for think so he long. I think the hard part with MJ is this: is the guy's your hero. Do you want to really meet your hero, or do you just want him to be your hero? Yeah, probably just want him to be my hero. There's a chance. There's a chance I have a horrible interaction with Jordan, and I'm like, crap. You know, I don't know. You get him a a foot long cigar, he'll oh, be there. How about we play to Jordan's weaknesses, <laughs> especially if he's going to smoke that thing till it's gone, so he's going to be here for a while. He had one one of the final scenes of the last dance. He had an obnoxiously long cigar. It was like, that's a good. What thought. is that? It's ridiculous. A little whiskey, a little cigar, cigar. He'll talk for a while. Any any anybody else we're missing there? Are we ready for question number three? Let's get let's keep this uh, keep it rolling. Yeah, let's keep this baby rolling. Uh, Fletcher says best movie slash shows during quarantine. Mine is Ozark. I, I binged Ozark during during quarantine. It's not Tiger King. How bad did people misread Tiger King? We even talked about it, but everybody... Tiger King couldn't have been more of like a... It was a phenomenon in the moment of everyone's quarantined. Oh my God, there's this new thing. Everybody thought it was like Tiger King's going to take over the world. Of, what, it's like, what was a one-hit wonder that was, that was good for, for like just less than a week or two? It was like a week or two. I mean, not the Macarena... Um, cause that might lasted longer. I'm talking about one of those one hit wonders that like it got a week it and just, then it, it felt was more over. like Jersey shore than it did the real world. The real world had like lasting, lasting power, power and influence. The Jersey shore was just like cabs are here, Jim tan laundry. And that was it. And you <laughs> knew it was terrible, but you watched it and it was terrible. Oh God. Gee. The situation, the Ronnie, situation, Wally D. Tell you what, Vinny. Sure, they had more last. <laughs> Jersey Shore's got more lasting power than Tiger. I'm not, gonna lie. I'm not sure there's a show that when I watched it, every time it ended, I was just like, "What am I doing?" But the next, but they'd be like, "Next week on Jersey Shore," he'd be like, "Vinny'd be like, we're getting cabs." I'd be like, "Oh man." <laughs> Yeah, you kind of like Vinny, didn't you? I like Vinny and Paul. Vinny and Polly, like pa- Polly, Polly D and Vinny were just happy. Yeah. Ronnie would like fight people and the situation was just too big of a magoosh to even deal with. Wow. Uh but no, so Tiger Tiger King Tiger King was not that good. No, but Ozark's fantastic. Uh, Living with yourself, Paul Rudd to tie it to the top was was really good. Yeah. Uh I finally watched Almost Famous. Yeah, that was a, that you told him that was one I was so happy you finally got around. Oh, it's fantastic. It's just so good. You know something's good. Like even every scene, I was like during it. I'm like, God, this is good. 
I, I don't know how I didn't watch it, but I didn't watch I, it. I told you about it for years, and I, you just didn't want to go there. I don't know what there. my problem was. I was like, I don't know what I was doing. Well, do you have, what do you got? Me and my, me and my wife, we rewatched Mad Men. It was her first time through, and, and Mad Men, she'll probably put as her favorite ep- oh, really? favorite she, show. She liked it like that? She she was so sad when it ended. Really? Yeah, we 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 rented from the public library, so that we could. I got my DVDs from the public library. <laughs> I love you. I know. So much. And so I go to the library, get free DVDs. <laughs> Sorry, people. I didn't know the library had DVDs. Free DVDs. So I got the Mad Men. We watched Mad Men through on uh, Mad Men at the Lincoln Public Library. They got some things at the library. I bet they do. Dog. It's like me and like seven people in there. We're like, we got to figure it out in here. <laughs> One. One of those guys might be like a crazy, like, you know, oh god, walking around in a trench coat, like, oh, looking to expose doing? himself to people. Yeah. It's not good, but yeah, look in here, look in here. I got your <laughs> Mad Men right here. Look at the Mad Men. <laughs> so that's your answer, Mad Men. Rewatching it. Uh, that, wrong with that. Mad Men, and right now we're just finishing up uh, Yellowstone. I've heard good things. Is it good? Costner, it's Costner. Costner's tougher than tough, you know. It's oh. it's cowboy stuff. Um, it's it's one of my favorite shows right now. Okay, I need yeah, to, Yellowstone. I, I, how many seasons do they have? This is three. Okay, I'm gonna get it. Yellowstone's Yellowstone's real good. But Ozark, Ozark was great. Though. Ozark, fantastic. You Ozark's made, the best. You made a comment that might be kind of blast for me though. What did I say? That Ozark's better than Breaking Bad. For me, I, I think so. Wow. I and, I and I it might be I think recent. It might be Charles Barkley like this is the greatest game. It I've might ever seen. it might be recency bias, but if you were to say, I mean, Breaking Bad was Breaking great, Bad. but Ozark Jesse Pinkman, oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? <laughs> Come on, man. I don't know. It's it. Ozark's good. I I, I put Mad Men over both of those. I put uh, man Boardwalk probably over both of those. You're a Nucky Thompson guy. Shouts out to Chucky White. True Detective season one over oh. both of those. Sopranos, I I was I, I missed the Sopranos window, I I missed it, but the Wire that's, that's Nick Ba's other I one I know Wire is fluctuates between the like maybe not as good as Mad Men and Boardwalk, but maybe better than Breaking Bad. We'll move on to this next question, before, but before I do that, you want to hear my Marty impression? Marty Bird. Marty Bird. Ready? Yeah. Here we go. Ruth, not now. <laughs> I feel like the whole... How many times did he say, Ruth, not now? Ruth, and then, not now. And then we would walk away. Um, 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 Marty, I don't know shit about fuck. Ruth, uh, not now. And then walk Ruth, away. Uh, maybe you shouldn't um, use meth on a... On your little brother. I don't know. I'm just thinking about that, Ruth. Just thinking about that. I don't know. Not now. Gotta go. Okay. Um, I mean, how many times? I'm laundering money here all day long. Maybe we should just cut me a little slack for a little bit, honey. Before dinner, I'm just laundering money all day long. Thank you, honey. Uh, I got Navarro on my ass. <laughs> I got the Mexican cartel coming at me, honey. Can I come down? Eat a little dinner before you can lay it on me. Okay. Okay. <sighs> Okay, Marty Bird. Marty Bird impressions, more doable than you think. <laughs> That's the big take. Uh, My boy Matt DeMarinis on Twitter. Uh, he says, what do, you most, what do you miss most about everything prior to New York City, which is where we were when the pandemic hit, but it was so basically prior, 
prior to what do you miss most about life prior to the pandemic? I've had the fortune of being able to think about this question all day. You just got it. Do you have something that immediately, because there's, you can go super deep or you can be like, I miss burritos on Wednesdays with Ted. You know, you can do something super simple. This might sound weird. I've had this, this image in my head. There's a couple, there's like two or three images in my head that I keep going to. It's. <laughs> All right. I'm thinking about your Marty Bird impression. I'm good. I'm not going to, I'm good. Um, it's something along the lines of like being at a bar at a Husker tailgate or somewhere crowded and you're just like. You're walking you're through with just squeezing through the the line. You know, you're, you're you're in the rail yard and you're just you're squeezing through people. When's and the like, last time you've been in a crowd? Like things that? are happening. It's just a wild yeah. like one of those scenes where I'm just going like, oh, well, it feels like it's been an eternity uh, since I've been in a crowd. Yeah, I agree with that. I wrote down. This is like I went deep. I think the thing I miss the most is the whole thought process of like tomorrow and the future and next month. And in, and I mean, from the standpoint of miss, I miss having things to look forward to yeah. instead, like instead, like there, instead of the act of feeling like, Hey, I got this trip to look forward to. Hey, football season's coming up. All those things have been replaced with worry, anxiety, and stress of what is going to happen. Does that make sense? Oh, so yeah. I think I think the biggest thing I miss is the suspension of no having something to look forward to, knowing it's going to happen. Because being that, able to plan, being able to yeah. plan something like you and we had a Vegas trip planned. Uh, you know, we had we had bunch. I, of, I was going to New Zealand. You this were going to go to New Zealand in the winter. Donezo. Done. Done. You know but, the, but those are the things as you realize as you get older. The whole reason I, I'm all about trips and a large part of like the reason you have trips is not only just the physical act of going on trips, you can't put a price on having a trip to look forward to. Yeah. And that's the thing about football even too, like having football season to look forward to. For me now, usually I'm like college basketball just around the corner, but that's been replaced with, fuck, is college basketball going to happen? Yeah. What are they going to do? I think I'm, so I think I miss that the most. I think that's, that's a good, I don't know if I relayed that correctly. Being able but, to plan and look look forward to your plans. Yes. Yeah. There you go. You just you just did it better than I did for twenty minutes. Sometimes. Uh, sometimes you just gotta. I gotta. Sometimes you just gotta you, compress. You compressed it. That a boy. Adam via email says along these same lines. Have you thought about the day? This is kind of like just along the things you miss. Have you thought about the day things are normal or stadiums are packed, tailgating is in full force, arenas are full, etc. Will you openly weep? I think I'll I'll flip that question and say, is there going to be a mental block for people for a while to like that scene you just created? I wonder if there's going to be a mental block for people being in a crowd like that for a while. Because like yeah. I, Kirk Herbstreet tweeted out a photo. He must have taken a video of at a Penn State game from the press box of the Penn State fans singing. I think they're singing, singing Sweet Caroline. I mean, it's a hundred thousand people with white towels singing, and it's it's so f- foreign. Like yeah. you're just like, whoa! Look at all those people. That's I I don't know. I mean, I I think people are gonna feel weird about it for a while. It's gonna take a little bit. 
People are gonna love it when they get to. But oh it's man! Because there is a there. There's times where you see big crowds, whether it's in an old game, and you're like, man, what is that? I will say, I think Simmons said this on his pod, and I was singing the same thing. The Luka Doncic game winner at the buzzer was the first time I've watched a sport and been like, God, I'm like that game. Imagine that game in front of fans. You know what I mean? It's just better with fans. Yeah, we we and we've talked a little bit about this NBA bubble. And how the the fact that there's no fans, it's affecting some players positively and some players negatively. But I, I think the overall feel of the game is played differently because totally. the fans, the effect of the fans is real and it's not being implemented on these players. Think, think of think of that Luca game where you had 42 or whatever and hits the game winner. Think of that game's at American Airlines Arena in Dallas. They are they are losing. They might have rushed the floor. They would have. Probably. They would have. I mean, yeah. they would have lost their minds. But that was the one time I was like, oh man, fans would have made that so much better. It's a so moment much that, that will be lost in history. Mark my words. They're not going to remember that moment because it's a it's the quarantine game. It feels like a glorified pickup game. It, it'll be weird. it'll be interesting. You know, when you do like the images of like even this title. You know, it's when you gonna do, be, like, it's, it's going to feel what it's gonna, like a, an asterisk. I mean, it's just they even have weird. the shortened 90, 99 Spurs, 99 yes, Spurs lockout season. lockout season. Like, it felt like a uh, okay title. Like, this one's going to feel like even more of an uh, whatever. It's going to be interesting to see what the images and, and the lasting memories of that stuff is. Uh, I don't know if you got Eric. On Twitter says, best Gordo. Guess, so, Alex Gordon, best Gordo Lincoln Southeast story. I don't. I mean, I wrote down a couple of things. I don't have like a, a like one time Gordo. He comes in the huddle. He looks at me and says, "No, I don't have like a story like that." Hmm. I just I forgot about this until Mule Jake Muleisen brought it up to us. The fact that he was our long snapper. Oh, I forgot that. There's something about that that is just encapsulates something. I don't know what it is, but it's like you're talking about an all time athlete. Willing to do a job that is pretty like no one wants to. No one's like you know what I want to be the long. Snapper. But you know what he was the best at throwing like yeah. So it he could, so it made sw- sense because so his his snap it didn't look normal. He basically would just I think like he one handed he would one hand and just like throw it between his legs and it was just like a rifle ninety one miles an hour. Hey guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors, and I, I want to. Make sure that you guys understand that Pella Windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home and all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive if they traveled anywhere outside of the omaha lincoln area 
Bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So Man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home. And you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella. So you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Let me actually give you a Gordo story. I don't okay. know if you were there. My, I think this was a buddy Gibbons had a truck, and we went out to Sherman Field for Rebels baseball in the summer, I want to say, yep. right? That's the Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, and so this was like a, he might have been a junior or going into it. might have been going into his senior year. Okay. And... I don't think I was here for. I might have been there because I remember watching him out there a couple of times. Yeah, we went out a couple of times, but he hit one like this isn't a summer league. He hit a shot in high school, like on a rope that like I think it like hit the light post like up high on a rope for a home run. <laughs> Talking like there's a fence and they light posts on the you know the outfield yeah. fences, and he, like he hit it so hard in such a then everybody kind of you know it's one of those things where you looked at it everyone else there and went that's different if it hits the lights and explodes it's like the natural right. but it's not that it, it was just it was <laughs> yeah. in the summer right. but it's a high school kid hitting the ball on a line going up past the home like it was like whoa that is because i went to a a couple of his games. And I would say one of my biggest regrets is like, why didn't we go to every Alex Gordon Lincoln Southeast baseball game? We were too busy doing other doing things. stupid stuff. <laughs> but like, think about that. We should have, cause I remember the game I went to, like that's one thing I, he had a, it was like a, tr- it, the set, like when he hit the ball, it just was different. You were like, you don't need to be Billy bean to be like, Whoa, you can listen and go that just sound. The sound of it yep. was different. Uh, I wrote down a couple of the, the confident there's a quarterback as he was right. The confidence I felt just throwing it near him. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, from a quarterback's perspective, like when you just feel like I don't, I don't care if I just got to get him, get it near him. He's going to catch it. I don't know if you remember. I wish I could go back and I wish I had like the actual number for it, but he had a stretch our junior year in football where there was like a four or five game stretch where every time they threw at him, he intercepted it. Yeah. So it wasn't like a, Oh, he had to pick four straight games. No, I'm talking about like the four or five times they actually threw at him. Yeah, it, he intercepted it. He he was um, incredible at his his uh, his timing. Like he he was fast, but not like he's not like a oh, missile. No, but he you know he was fast and he was, he was a bigger corner. But like he had the ability to time and high point the ball. Like he didn't train or practice or think about football. You know, 300. It was totally natural. Yeah, like basically almost, you know, nine months of the year he thought zero about football. And then he shows up a week before camp and they convince him to play because <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't know. And then he plays and he's an all-state receiver and cornerback. And, and he, he was, it was, it was so impressive just to see his hands and his 
coordination and his skill, and it was it was effortless. It always seemed. Like. It, it yes, it was. It was because that's what I wrote down. I go the other thing, and this isn't a Gordo story, but just just the fact that I'm so not surprised to watch what he's become. We, we, in I'm high not school, surprised like, at that it at guy's all. going to the majors that because was it. you always wonder. Like you know, we're fortunate enough to have been around young Alex Gordon, and there's a there's a lot of guys that are Gold Glove, you know, big time great players, and you wonder, like, man, I wonder what of all his buddies thought of him when he was younger, and it was like, listen to him. I mean, he would just everything he did was different. We had a lot of great athletes yeah. on the on the field and on the court at Southeast, from you to Barrett to Jake to all that, like a lot of, but. Let's be honest, like everything he did just kind of looked and felt different. Well, his, his, like I said, his was this sort of hand eye timing, um, like he fluidity, just had fluidity. Yeah. And it was, he was, it was not that he didn't work hard because he did, but it, it, he made it look easy. And even though, like, he might not have been the most quote unquote, like, fastest or most you explosive. You'd have put him a combine, it would have been like... He might not have won that at Southeast, but there was no doubt that it was like all around athletic skills. You know, Gordo, from the time he was in fourth grade, you're like, but that's Gordo. I will you, say you just that knew it. the one year... Did you play? Did you ever play ball with Gordo? He was a, the first half of my freshman year, I was on the JV basketball we, team with we Gordo. We played summer, those summer yeah. leagues together, but he... Uh, he was an interesting basketball player too. He was good, he was, but like... It wasn't on top of his mind, but, but there'd be, but every once in a while, like he, he would s sit in that diamond press and like kind of get going yeah. and it, you'd see some flashes like, whoa, yeah, this guy's, this guy's something I mean, else. He, we, we knew like people would talk about him being a potential pro when he was in middle school. I mean, and it, and it was, it was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fourth, just, fifth, fourth, fifth, again, sixth I'm not grade. saying this isn't like after the fact, like I'm not. I'm just not surprised. But Watching him win the World Series, be multiple goals, I'm just like sincerely not surprised. The, the the thing about him as well is like, as as one of his friends like will say, like he was such a normal guy that didn't play into that at all. No, that that's probably why it's less spoken about. Is because he was he was so casual. About there was him a mystique himself. about him, but not from his personality. Yeah, he could have he could have really pumped up he that could have stuff pumped it up more. but he was just like he just wanted to be him he wanted to be one of the not, guys and and enjoy he, he was that's right like what was Al is like Al was just one, Gordo was just one of the dudes he's the like, most unpretentious person oh, he's there's, not there's not an ounce of him that that there is, is zero all, ego yeah. with that guy like none it's it's really awesome too and that and that was one of the great things about southeast in that era was we had a bunch of really good players and I don't think we had one egomaniac. No. Out of him. And if there was, a, you know, he could have been one. You know, some of those guys set the tone more than you think. Like, he could have been one, and he was, he was probably, I mean, you're making the list of like most modest guys. Like, well, yeah. Gordo, Gordo's probably one of the more modest dudes. Probably going to be been. in the Hall of Fame someday. Who yes. Knows? Uh, this is sticking with living back in the day because Terrence via Twitter says, Who was your favorite coach in your playing days, whatever the sport? So well, what's let's, hardest, let's pick a sport. That's probably make it easier. Yeah. Well, I mean, what's what's makes this hard is I liked all my coaches. I didn't have a single coach. I was like, I don't like that guy. Oh, I. I mean, you I know love, what I mean. Like, I was lucky in that sense. Even who coached just growing up in basketball? My brother. Your brother, who's gone on to be. I mean, he's a 
in my great. opinion, the best high school coach in the state. I mean, he's yeah. won a state title against He's awesome, you know. Uh, who is our football coach for a lot of Bobby DePriest? Bobby DePriest and my dad, Tom yeah. Rude. Like we just we lucked out with that. Um, Those were the forming years too. We had we had family that was really hard on us. Yes, that was the greatest thing I think. Is like your brother would get on me and you really oh, hard and nobody else hard. Like he got on me like maybe <laughs> as bad as you or worse. But like I, t- I always took that as a sign of like if he felt comfortable doing that with me, that was a, that was telling me something. It's one he saw something in me, but also that right that he, he he knew me well enough that he could. Well, everybody else could be like me and you could be five for five, perfect from the floor, playing great, and everybody else is is effing up, and he's gonna pull me and you aside and give it to us. And it's like, what are you talking about, dude? Well, it's hard to not to stick along those lines, though. It's hard to not say Chuck Mazursky. Chuck Mazursky had, he's a legend. Oddly enough, and this is what's weird, because you know my personality, and people that are listening to this podcast have gotten to know my personality. And if you know about Chuck Mazursky, Chuck Mazursky is as, uh, when you you think of a high school movie of like an old school coach, like that's Chuck Mazursky. Yeah. But oddly enough, I'm not sure I ever had a coach, and I mean this, I'm not sure I ever had a coach that understood me more than he did. I know that sounds weird because we're kind of different people, but I just never, I don't know if I ever felt like I was more on the same page with someone. But that's the sign of a good coach is he sees, he understands that everybody's different. And he, like, I don't think coaches should treat everybody the same. I don't think you should, I think you got to be, um, yeah, I don't. I actually don't like them. People's like he treats everyone the same. It's like, well, I, that's everybody's different. I, I think like, some people need like if you're not treating people different, like you're not getting the most out of everybody. Yeah, I don't. I, and so some people need different things to get the most out of them. So I think you got to know how to get the most out of each person, and that's a gift as a coach. The coaches that know how to do that with uh, with different people, that's a gift, right? Because I so I. Because obviously we had great, I mean, Jeff Smith was, Jeff Smith, I don't think I appreciated Jeff Smith until I got to college, my first couple practices at Kansas. And your fundamentals. Fundamentals and <laughs> like than understanding like, like shell drill and how to, where to be on a staggered screen defensively and what we're doing. Like all that stuff was like second nature because of coach Smith. Yeah. And then you realize like, Oh, this McDonald's all American has no idea what to do for this or that. How how to play help defense. They've never done it. So so I almost feel like Jeff was a guy that I appreciated more after the fact. I love playing for him, but I like, I really was like, damn, he was really good. Like, I think there's that's a mark of a lot of good coaches. It's like you almost, cause I think I know that's how it is for me and coach Altman. Like I appreciate him more after, cause he was, he was a guy that was always in your ass, you know? So sometimes like, Man, coaches on me. Like, yeah, Altman and you. Like, it, it, it was fun to actually see from you know out, an outsider's perspective how did, much your two's relationship, relationship grew, where you became like boys. Though afterwards, he he, I went from I told you all the time. I was his. I was in like his doghouse whipping boy my junior year. Yeah, for whatever reason, he is he you he me and him. I don't know what it was. It to. To my senior year, being his guy, yeah, and then afterwards, 
being really tight. Yeah. And it's weird how you could go, how that evolved in that way. But it was, it was, Coach Self and I always got along great. Like, we just always got along great. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, a, so you're saying Miz? You saying Miz? I mean, if I have to pick Bo one. Polini. I mean, I, I loved a lot of coaches. I think just sort of like the, the mystique and legend of Chuck Mazursky is like, it, it, it's, it's just, hard to beat. it's hard to beat. It's hard to beat. Uh, as we're going more down memory lane, favorite. And this is like uh, Yachty on Twitter phrase is funny, but I'm just reading. He said, "Favorite athletic action slash play you have ever seen or done." So I think just pretty much what he's saying, like, so favorite play you've ever made or seen. It's pretty broad. <laughs> uh, I mean, well, for me, I was it was stunts to crouch. Oh one, Oklahoma. In terms of like something I saw live. Or when you and I, 2009, Cleveland, LeBron James, Eastern Conference Finals against Ooh. Orlando, hit a shot at the buzzer top of the key to to win the game. Oh, gosh, that's tough. I'm, I'm, I am I'm don't have a good one right now. I, I, I'm going to just... And then what's hard is like a play for myself. I don't I mean, I don't know. I didn't make any sort of... I mean, I guess like scoring the game-winning touchdown in the state championship that game. That was... Like, no, that that that's, to me is like... That was a big one there. Well, that's then I would one. say I'd reverse on you. It's like you, your wheel route touchdown against Miller North our senior year to win seven to six. It wasn't at the buzzer for lack of a better term like mine, but it was still the yeah. winning touchdown. I, those are, those are good answers. I think let's leave it there. We'll leave it at that. And then uh, he also, he goes, first time you dunked a basketball, how did it make you feel? And he said, be honest, was it a girl's ball, volleyball or a regular men's ball? Because it is dunking's like a seminal moment in your, because forever of, that's like the bit. It's like, can you dunk? Some of our friends still act like they could and they were dunking tennis balls. And I know it. <laughs> So did you? I can't remember. Because you were a you one were, foot was, one you hand. You were a two footer. I was a two foot two hand guy. Because I remember the first times I felt like I could dunk the ball consistently. I would cheat and do the, th- you know, throw, throw it, it up, up, let it bounce and get. I got to where I could bounce it perfectly by the rim, where all I had to think about, I didn't have to worry about palming it. I just had to jump up and be able to like, yeah, dunk it. You know what I mean? And so I would end every workout with like 25 of those yeah. until I was just like done. But yeah, when you first can dunk, it's a it's, it's a good a cool feeling. Cool feeling, you know? I want to say I dunked for the first time maybe like my sophomore year. Mine was my sophomore year. In like some going into sophomore maybe like yeah, going into sophomore year in summer league. I think I got one down in like one of those like hot summer gyms. Oh, and I was yeah. like, you know, so and the loose. floor, yeah. the floor, some of those floors were more bouncy than others where you just felt like that old wood might've oh, just yeah. like springboarded you. And all of a sudden, like you throw one down and you look at your buddies like, look I at that. can't believe look I just that. dunked. I love it. And once you dunk once your body kind of goes, well, you're a dunker now and you, you can, can dunk. Do it. But like to, to do it the first time is seems like, so much harder than after it's done. It's that is done. Weird. You're a dunker. But uh, dunk it. Your body First knows time you that. dunk, it's amazing. It's a great feeling. Uh, Nathan, this is kind of, now we're going to get into some like Nebraska stuff here, and then we'll wrap it up in about 10, 15 minutes here. Nathan says, with no spring ball and no games this fall, how far back does this set the rebuilding of Nebraska and other Big Ten programs? We don't really care about other Big Ten programs. If the ACC, SEC, Big 12 all play this fall. Great question, because now it's time to get serious, Nick. Yeah. Okay. We've avoided. We went all the loosey goosey questions here to get things. Nick, started. it's time to get serious. Let's get serious. All right. Give it to me. Put your glasses on. 
Let's do it. You're uh, done with your wine. Is this wine out for you? You t- you took it to the head, Doc. Oh, I got. We got a little bit more. Let's do half and half. Okay. You got it. I mean, no, you want it. Look at you. This wine's legit. Delicious. Okay, so. Because now we're gonna have a string of Nebraska questions. I want to pick your brain on this. Okay, so what does the rebuild look like compared to the SEC ACC? So this this is gonna be a this is gonna be a freaking weird year, okay? Because if they play and get most of this season done, or even some of this season done, it's gonna have lasting consequences and effects, right? Oh. So, be, so the players in the SEC and ACC are going to play this year, and they're going to crown a national champion, right? And that immediately puts Big Ten and Pac-12 out of the national championship, unless they want to do another one, which is going to be stupid, right? Yeah. But then it also it puts the pressure on all these kids in the Big Ten and Pac-12 that want to go pro to make a decision because the pro schedule is going to stay how it's going to stay. And that means that next year's college football schedule is going to stay how it's going to stay. So it's going to put these people in a tough spot to either play or not play. And then it's going to put every recruit that wants to be in the pros someday to be like, well, do I want to join the, the cycle of people that are playing every spring or are they going to, play spring fall and then double up and you know it, it's gonna it's gonna hurt the big 10 big time i don't understand how if the big question is if the acc sec and big 12 get their season off the ground and finish it's a it's a i don't want to say disaster but it's almost a disaster from the standpoint of like you said one of the, my chief concerns amongst a bunch of different things is like how do you ever get back on all of the same schedule I don't, you know what I mean? It's, like, it's I just a don't. little bit for Power Five not to go all in together and say, all for one, all for all one, plan, or we're all not playing. Like, as, as bad as the Big Ten's decision was, which I, I totally disagree with, yes. Um, it's even 10 times worse that it wasn't done as, like, hey, the Power Five decided this decision, which I wouldn't agree with the decision. It, but at least Power, you're doing it together. If you're doing it together, you're all in the spring or you're all next year. But the fact that like now we're just like it, it, we're in such a position where you're just you're hurting, you're doing damage to yourself now potentially. Well, that's and what I just don't. Like, I mean, if 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 the Big Twelve, SCC, and ACC play and they have a because you saw the College Football Playoff came out with like their schedule of things. Like truly, imagine if they play a full season. And then have a playoff and crown a champion, and then here comes the Big Ten and the Pac-12. What do you? I don't. I don't ever want to say like, what are you playing for? But there is an element of like, I mean, the 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 champions already been crowned, and then a lot of those guys. Who knows if a lot of those dudes are going to play because of the NFL looming in terms of the combine and all that stuff. I, mean, I just don't know. And even, you know, Ronnie Green brought up this hypothetical last week, the chancellor at Nebraska. You know, I wonder if, I mean, college football going to start pretty much coming up this weekend. Yeah. If the if those three other Power Five conferences get off the ground, is there a chance the Big Ten has an emergency meeting on 
late September, October 1st and says, guys, what are we doing? Are we, are we, are we, is there a chance? I mean, reasonable, rational people would say, yes. The problem is if the people in charge just don't want to, they want to like hold their ground on their word or something. You can't then, but like reasonable people say like, look, we've arbitrarily decided a date. Like, why can't we arbitrarily change that date? Like yes. it, it doesn't, there's no, there's no rule that says that you can't change it back. It's well, only think, being willing to do it. Yes. And here's the thing. Kevin Warren is you and like, there was too much unknown. He keeps on saying unknown. Well, these other leagues maybe getting going and doing it successfully would provide some. No. The, so N- like, the oh. NFL, the NFL should be, I mean, the NFLs are, they're going to play at each of their home stadiums. They're going to try to have fans. and, gonna, and have, yeah. Like they get through one week. Why can't you start in October? I just don't. The thing that would be hard. I wanted to ask you about this before we get to this other question. How hard is it to pace your like everybody? Everybody's been r- ramping up their bodies for like the season. Like it's got to be hard now. Like what do you even do with the players now? Like I don't even know what you well, are well, Nick, doing with them now. Nick, they still have this like twelve or twenty hour, which is absurd to me. I mean, so, not, not so like, they're still allowed to work out and quote unquote. I think practice. practice? So, so this is where this is the hypocrisy of like the, the situation. It's like they they're they're not confident it's safe enough, enough to play just practice, but not play. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's just such a it's just such a a weird to me a weird way to live your life of like of of taking zero risk. Where like I just I think that's just. It's an extreme. It's an extreme no risk. And yeah, I'm just like I, I don't understand it. But myself. what? Okay, so well, what are the? I mean, I just wonder what you'd even do with the players, like how you were even. I, I, because that's the thing that I, the thing that I'll be interested to see is you would think that they're gonna the Big Ten should come out with their spring slash winter plan pretty soon. But I actually think what they're waiting on, I think they're gonna wait as long as they can to unveil their winter slash spring plan. In the hopes, I think the Big Ten is sitting in their offices praying the SEC, ACC, and Big Twelve cancel. Oh, they're they're betting their their careers on it. Yeah, so they're wait. So I think what their plan is before we unveil our winter football plan, let's see what happens with these other leagues. So if these other leagues cancel, then we don't have to. Like I think in some ways, if the other leagues cancel, I don't know. I'll believe spring football when I see it. But at the same time, these. These athletic departments need football money. They need the TV money. So there just are a million different things that just make it tough. To Okay, follow-up question along these things. Dean uh, says, love the pod. I've been listening since day one. Thanks for all the epic content over the last year, especially lately, to help get through all the BS in the world. I want, uh, I want to know, if any, what kind of positives can come from not having a fall football season for Nebraska? Also, how do you think the way the national media has portrayed the program will look in the eyes of recruits? I know we've had some uh, big gets the last couple weeks, but with the talking heads dragging Nebraska through the mud, do you feel like that could turn kids away or make us more attractive to them? The only positive, there are no, there really are no positives to not playing. But the only positive would be is guys get to just be in the weight room more and get bigger. I got one. Okay. It's not the I, weight room? Uh, weight room is, I think there's some development stuff there. It's not, it's, that's something, okay. right? Um, they did close the training table. 
which Nick, I, I think that's a, a way bigger issue than people realize when it comes to like, Hey, you want to build your body? You want to, yeah, we need to we eat need to, really right. good food all the time. That's these guys. If they get, if they're going to Mickey D's once a day, that's their, it's like, yeah, it's like the, I can go get a salad from the, from whatever, or I can go. The to, skinny guys get fat and the fat guys get skinny. That's what right. happens. Okay. Or the fat guys get way too fat. <laughs> that's the things that happen. Good food is a, is a bigger part about building these bodies. Right. Totally agree. But so here's my positive. I think there is some to the training. I would love it if the train table was open. But Nebraska is kind of unique in the situation of we don't got anybody that's probably going to go in the first five rounds of the draft. Right. So we actually have a decent shot of keeping dudes that, that are kind of NFL guys maybe for another year. And I could see that, yeah. You know, Ohio State, let me just tell you something. If Ohio State, if this goes to the spring, especially Dude. if it's not like we're starting January 1. Right. And we're going to be done by... Justin Fields? Like, are you really going to play? Ohio State could potentially have, you know, five to eight guys that say, we're out. And, and I wouldn't blame them necessarily. No. Nick, I'm telling you right now, like... You're a projected it, top five pick. You're Justin Fields. It's like, your life. Like you, you can't say I'm going to go to the combine if the combine gets moved after I just came off of playing ten games in two months. You know, like these the, these guys for you know Ohio State, Penn State, and Michigan, a couple Wisconsin. Like they got more NFL guys right now than we do. However, like our younger guys. Have a, are going to have some time to develop, and then if we have these some of these older guys that we're going to maybe get back for that's right. the only scenario I see that Nebraska gets in it quote unquote advantage. But man, I, I don't like that advantage. I don't like what it does for recruiting. I don't think it helps us. Um, I think it's bad for every team in the Big Ten for recruiting. Period. Yes. I, Nothing about that is a positive. I agree. I, I mean, because what's hard is, you know, in terms of re- dragging Nebraska's name through the mud, like the one thing I could say is like clearly Frost fought for football and fought for the season. So their recruits yeah. would be like, this dude hey. stood up and wanted to play. Yes. That's good. But what's hard is like you got to stay top of mind for people. You know what I mean? Like you got to stay in there in front of them, you know? Yeah. And, and so that's where it just... It hurts. I'll be real interested to see what ends up happening with recruiting. If if they truthfully, if all these other leagues go and the Big Ten doesn't go, especially uh, I get. I mean, because I do get worried. Even though you talk about all those guys sticking around, like I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder what could happen if, especially if they're granting waivers to guys transferring, and like there could be a mass exodus from some of these Big Ten teams. I mean, if you're, I mean. We'll see what happens. I don't know if with the with this transfer portal, like, are you allowed to transfer right now and go to the that, SEC and play? I know there's a UCLA offensive lineman that was trying that. He was trying to transfer right now to an SEC, ACC, Big 12 team and play right away. And I don't think that's going to necessarily happen. But, like, again, there could be some – I mean, if you're Wandale Robinson and you go, okay, do I just need to get out of here and go play for Kentucky? I mean, it's it's real. That's real, though. 
That's real. Like, I mean, the Wandale thing is like he has another year left. But like if Wandale was one year older and he was like, man, I'm like a fifth round draft pick, but I know I should be a second. I just need to showcase my skills. And some coach from whatever is like, yo, come here. I'll throw you the ball a hundred times. A whole whole bunch of targets. Just go play. This running back, I'll give you, you know, you get 200 carries. Guess what, dude? They got you in a weird position there. You come to my school, I'll put you on the edge, and I'll just let you go sack the quarterback. Right. Those are the things that, that could happen that's like, why do why even put us in that position? Okay, we'll hammer through these, and you got to go because you got dinner on, on the table at your house right now. Um, John says, what are your thoughts on the Big Ten players' parents writing letters? Are they sticking up for their kids to play, or is this a college version of fanatic youth sports parents from five to ten years ago, now the parents of collegiate student, college student-athletes? I, I, I got no problem with, like, I got no problem with it. No, th- th- this is uh, the parents are doing the kids and the university and the coaches a favor. They're saying the things. I think things. they're basically saying, hey, I'll do what you can't do. Yes, that's all it is. These parents like, would not say anything normally, but their parents hold a special place in these decision makers' uh, minds. Like, if the parents say hardcore, why are my kids not? It puts pressure on them to have to defend that. Right? Yeah, at some point, Kevin Warren, like I know there's been radio silence from Kevin Warren, the Big Ten, in terms of addressing some of these Big Ten letters. Now, Nebraska is the one parent group that has hired a lawyer and is threatening yeah. litigation. And I think so. I heard some people talking about like, well, what is it? Why are they doing it? What's the end game? They're not going to reinstate football. It's like, well, yeah. Uh, true, they're probably not going to reinstate football. But sometimes it's not about that. It's about trying to put pressure on these decision makers to come forward, even if you know that the process wasn't right, to make sure that they're getting public ridicule for their process. Well, I think, it, you know, let's let's call it the how many presidents and Kevin Warren and his team, there's 20 people making a, a decision about, I'll call it a billion dollars. A billion dollars in, you know, thousands of jobs uh, on the line and you know what? When, when that's the situation and you hold that power, like you got to be willing to, you better be willing to tell people why, an and yeah. you got to be willing to to totally agree. to like explain that. And and they aren't. And you know what? And and the problem is when it starts to feel like they are concerned with how they look and not the the end goal of doing what's right for everyone it's starting to become one of those battles and especially when they don't say anything that's that's me saying like they don't feel like they have to and that's where these parents i love what they're doing because they're putting the pressure on like you don't think you have to tell us this oh you're gonna tell this is a billion dollars and thousands of jobs like that's that's i just don't agree with it uh gotta hate to even ask this question we'll try and do this condensed Sig Jordan on Twitter says, if you could choose to have Nebraska back to the Big 12 or stay in the Big 10, what would it be? I, I mean, want to be prisoner of the moment. Prisoner of the moment, we were we were just ready to go we back wanted, our ex. We wanted to play. Our ex was, uh, she was at the bar. And she was We had good. had a couple of drinks. We've had a couple of drinks. The ex is looking good. She wants to party. What's funny is we Your still got chemistry. Wants to go home. We got in a fight with our current girlfriend. Yes. We saw our ex at the bar. She's having a blast. She, she was great. in a miniskirt. Yes. <laughs> looking tremendous. And she was flirting with us. And it's like, God. And my she ex said, wasn't that bad. And you, and you told her. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, in conclusion, we shouldn't go back with our ex. We tried that. 
And there's it, a reason you broke up. There's a reason we broke up. We're, we're with our girlfriend right now. We're going to stay with this, her until, until we've reached this a crossroads. This is my thing. Be loyal. Here's until what's hard. Here's what's hard. This, I mean, the, the, the girlfriend analogy works because history is history. Like, you have history with them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you have, with the Big A, Big 12, you got 50 years of history that is that you just can't replace, right? Yeah. But here's the problem about being, you know, like, oh, the Big Ten stinks. Well, how much is that Nebraska self-inflicted versus it being the being in the Big Ten's fault? You know what I mean? Like... I view Nebraska's lack of success since joining the Big Ten more about Nebraska's own issues than necessarily its issues with the Big Ten, if that makes sense. Like, you, you've made, you've gone through now, this is your third head coach. You've had three athletic directors. You've had, I don't even know however many coordinators. Like, yeah. so I think, like, I maybe and maybe it's just because I have enough respect for and hold Nebraska's program in high enough regard that like if Nebraska got their stuff together, they're gonna be fine, regardless of conference. I agree. Here, here's my my only sort of hesitation with that is I saw some like like Desmond Howard's probably you know he's he's a uh, he's culprit probably one A. Like, I saw I saw his true colors with what he felt about Nebraska. Right. Like Desmond Howard said, Nebraska can take a walk, and then you know doesn't say a word about Ohio State. He was saying the same thing. Right. Which I felt was completely uncalled for. I felt like it was it was so clearly a shot on how he feels about us and in there and, and what he quote unquote feels their. is their conference and doesn't feel now that's my only part where I say, Oh, right. Oh, okay. Like, like that's if, how you feel? If, if everybody in the conference doesn't feel like we're a part of the conference, like that's the only time when you start looking at the conference you have his history with, well, I go and I, and I told you, I've told you before that all happened how I feel about the Big Ten Network not right. showing Nebraska games. I'm telling you, Nick, I was going through the big... They're showing all the classic games, and it's like four to one other schools to Nebraska. Well, my analogy on my analogy was it's like when you're making fun of your family. Like, you and Barrett can make fun of your dad. You and Barrett can make fun of your aunt or uncle yeah but the second someone else makes fun of your aunt and uncle it's like whoa whoa, whoa. or your dad it's like what's what hold on you can't say that yeah it's because you're not in the family you know what i mean so ohio state can can kick up dust and desmond howard's like that's ohio state they're in the family they can do that but nebraska yeah. kicks up dust it's like what's wrong with you yeah and, and, and that's telling and like, it's it's hypocrisy that that's the problem i just think nebraskans I, I, couldn't take well that i think not only desmond howard but even the nat it wasn't just it was all these it was fine bomb fine bomb will bond even even other writers piling on i think you saw a window in how that everybody viewed nebraska in the big 10 and i think they all kind of view it as yeah it, and, it was and, and weird. So it was weird. weird. It's, I guess there are a lot of different, like that's such a layered. I'm mad that I asked that question so late. Like there's a, that's a layered question. There are a lot of different ways to look at that. Like, do I think Nebraska can be sec successful in the Big Ten? Absolutely. Do I think yeah. Nebraska's lack of success the past decade is because they're in the Big Ten? No. But 
does that mean that they're a great match right now and it, and everybody goes perfect? Not necessarily. No, I think if Nebraska can win in the Big Ten, they'll they'll like indoctrinate us more. But yes. it was a window to me that like they don't see us as really a part of it. The hypocrisy of the rules are different if you're not. Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, in the family. in Wisconsin, then the rules are different. Like, that's the first time in my life that Nebraska was on the other side of like being in the, like, right. The, right. in this little thing. So, like, I, that the hypocrisy of that, though, I, I think most Nebraska fans, and I bet m- I would. I would target it at a 99% clip of the people listen, listen to this show were pissed yes. when they heard that. Oh, I, I was. I was. I've, I've I been was like, steamed. I haven't been. I have, My claws haven't come out in defense of Nebraska like that in a while. I, I'm like, having, I was like, what? I mean, I mean, I was I'm going to have to temper myself from like not wanting to, to to try to like avoid college game day because Desmond Howard hey, like hey, pissed me off. You know what? You know what? I what I'm ashamed of is what my dog was named growing up. Desmond. Desmond. Yeah. Like, that's like if I could retroactively go like change that, I would. That's how I feel about it. That was but what's hard, I mean, so so what's hard is to put, you know, yeah, like I miss Kansas and Kansas State and Iowa State. And like I miss that. And I miss, I think there's something to the drivable games for people. Recruiting. That, recruiting they say recruiting, it should help. Like, but but I, there's a lot of different ways to. I, I do like a lot of these, like the quality of the Big Ten is, it's been really good. So I, I don't want to downplay that. I, I just, it, it was, I, I just want to like, the way, the, way, the way Desmond Howard talked was like, almost like you can't take that back. Like there, that was like a, a it was I, a it shot. Was like, Whoa! It was like a shot that you can never, you can never take back. And it was like everybody in Nebraska put their fists up to be like, okay, here it's wow. either we're to, we're coming after you or we're or we're going to the Big Twelve. Like I that's mean, a, that's kind of the feeling we all had. <sighs> Last one. We might have pleaded the fifth. Cousin Scott, how dare you, Scott? Cousin Scapa says, you're leaving the wives at home, taking a dude's trip. If money isn't an issue, where are you going? <laughs> and if the wine is good enough, admit what you are doing to pass the time. Oh. I have to say on behalf of Barood, we plead the fifth. No, we're not doing anything. I mean, money's not an issue. We're taking a dude's trip. We can do whatever we want. Probably going. Uh... I'm taking a private jet to Augusta. I'm going to play. Augusta with you then we're going to take that jet to like NBA final an NBA finals game and then we're going to take the jet to Vegas and we're going to play blackjack and then we're going to take the jet to Turks and Caicos and we're going to lay by a pool and a beach and that's one weekend and that's one how about that you, you feel good about that answer let's cheers it hey my man one year anniversary this has been great right to no, many more wine pods to come my friend Go home and eat some dinner, all right? Cheers. Cheers. All right, my thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast. Production.